Halfback passes to the center. Back to the wing. Back to the center. Center holds it. Holds it. Holds it. Halfback passes to center. Back to wing. Back to center. Center holds it. Holds it. Holds it. And let's go. This week, right? <laughs> Simeon with the deep throw. Wants Claypool. Chase Claypool has the catch. Walking against Sauce Gardner. Bears fans have been waiting for Claypool to make an impact after they got him in a trade from Pittsburgh. He's got this one for 31 yards. Third down and goal here. Simeon over the middle, threads it through, and Pringle pulls it away for the Bears' touchdown. His first in a Bears uniform, and what a catch it was over D.J. Reed. Second down and six. Mike White gets sacked. That is Armand Watts, his first sack as a player, and it takes it all the way back near midfield. With the way things trended this week, do you anticipate Justin playing next week? That's a good question. You know, and, you know, we, we think that he's getting better, um, you know, every single day. He felt better every single day. Just at the game time today, he wasn't ready to go to perform and protect himself. Um, you know, I suspect we'll, we'll see where it goes. I think we're going to leave it day to day. And uh, we'll decide one day at a time. And if he keeps progressing, then he's got an opportunity to do so. We have men of character in the, in the locker room, which is, you know, which they, they've been battling the whole way. And we're going to continue to rely on that for sure. Yeah, just uh, throwing, something wasn't right, uh, flared up on me, and then got back in the locker room and uh, figured something wasn't right again, but gave it a go. And uh, yeah, that was that. You get a shot to calm it down. And... Uh, no shot. I don't. I don't think you shoot your ribs. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm more embarrassed. You get an injury. I got guys in there that are playing. What are we? Week 12, 13, going through hell. Uh, and I have like a non-contact thing show up. So uh, yeah, not ideal, but. Everybody's going through something at this point in the year. And coming at you from the basement of the basement of WCPTA 20 in Chicago, this is the Sports Cubicle, where the inmates run the asylum. Boss yells on Monday morning. We're working overtime. Clips you heard are courtesy of Fox Sports and Paul Aceous won. We weren't expecting much for the backup quarterback here, but uh, Paul Aceous, on the upside, you get to see your World Cup and talk soccer on the show. Downside, you don't get to see your boy Nathan Peterman. It's okay. I've watched so much soccer. Everything is converted into corner kicks and goal kicks. If only the Bears had better kicking. Oh, it was a wonderful week. A long week of food, of leftovers, of sports. And it ended in a sour note, or at least a sour note in the sense of we didn't get to see Justin Fields because the Chicago Bears fall to the New York Jets in the Meadowlands 31 to 10 moving their record now to three and nine and the big story about this game beyond the score beyond any of the statistics justin fields was not playing and we even saw drama about who would be the starting quarterback still with that information as trevor simeon seemed to have pulled an oblique or a hamstring before the game and talk about nathan peterman being the starter but i think Regardless of who was QB number one for today, the bummer of the situation stays the same. And we are here to break it down with the marvelous one, Dan Marver. It's Devin Tingle, Paul Chivari throughout the show. I'm Mike Mercado here on the Sports Cubicle 31 to 10. The Bears fall to the Jets. Marvelous. It was a, a coal in the stocking, an early bad Christmas present from Santa Claus. The starting QB one, Justin Fields doesn't play. And I think we all just realized how important he is to this organization. Your thoughts on this uh, Mike White game for the Jets? Yeah, well, that that is the fact. He is important. And uh, I think Daryl Johnson, the the, uh, analyst for Fox, said it best. To win in the NFL, you have to have a pocket quarterback. And he he illustrated how many times he's been sacked and hit, and an injury was inevitable. And, uh, you know, there was no doubt in my mind he wasn't going to play today. Whether he'll play the rest of the season is, of course, the next question. But, uh, you know, I, I'm also, I don't know if you noticed, Mooney might be out now, too, for a while. He, he, uh, he said it was an ankle, but they were carrying him off, so I don't know. But uh, they did get 127 yards rushing. Montgomery got 79, so that was pretty good. And Claypool finally got two uh, 
two catches for 51 yards, 179 yards. So all in all, <laughs> what can I tell you? The uh, Simeon was 14 of 25 for 179. So, you know, he had a, a Simeon kind of day, 31 to 10. The good news is we've improved our draft position again. Yes, now the Bears, in the projections are the number two overall pick in this coming up draft. And yeah, you brought it up. I mean, I, I think really fast, let's take a second to appreciate David Montgomery, who's not going to get paid a whole lot of money, who, again, since the position he plays in the NFL, he's going to get discarded and they're going to use and abuse his body. But mm-hmm. he put the team on his shoulders today. I mean, there were some nice passes by Simeon, some nice catches. Claypool had a nice catch, but... At the end of the day, this is a a season, a team that David Montgomery, every play since he was drafted, has given his body up. He is somebody who has always come to play, come to perform, has always been the most up professional. And today was an example of they leaned on him. The Jets knew they were going to lean on him, and he still did a lot of damage. Uh, Where was Cole Komet? (laughs) Darnell Mooney getting hurt, you know, really did – it's a stinker, but it's not like Trevor Simeon was was targeting him. And I guess this is where, for me, this was the toughest part about this game. Like, yeah, the the obvious has been stated, right? You and I have talked about it. Smart football. I mean, you're one of those smarter scouts that watch a lot of football. But smarter people than you and I have talked about how, yes, Fields is going to have to make a big throw. Fields is going to. But there's also the the X factor, right? The stuff that you can't throw into a data machine of. But we also know how much better he reads the pressure when he's moving or the pockets moving when he's rolling out compared to him. And like guys like Tom Brady are able to just move a step up, a step to the left, a step to the right. It's different type of quarterbacking. But we just saw in this game, who is he throwing to? Who is this offense running through? The offensive line whether it's a mobile quarterback or a statue back there, aren't going to be able to keep their guys alive. And guys are fall, are, are, are Now you lost Eddie Jackson. It's a team that I think it all came to fruition today. Everything that Ryan Poles and, and this ownership and Matt Eberflus, it's not so much Matt Eberflus as the front office, but this is the roster they put together. You traded Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith. You knew what you were getting yourself into. And now I hope that Bears fans have some form of appreciation now of how much worse things could have gotten if Justin Fields wasn't under center. And mm-hmm. I mentioned this to you last week, that the run game, even though it's the best running game in the NFL, it's not spectacular when it's not Justin. When it is Khalil Herbert, who's a nice running back, David Montgomery, who's a dog, they're not the most flashiest run game. It's not this dynamic Derrick Henry type of run game. It's a... It's a game, it's a matchup dependent that destroys your defense when Justin Fields is out there. And even though we we say he needs to hit the big play and he's going to have to win in the pocket, watching Trevor Simeon today, all the garbage Nathan Peterman has ever played in his, in his career, I still trust the gun-shy, the conservative play calling that they have with Justin Fields more than those two dudes. Because Fields can still make a play happen. We know he can throw the ball deep. We know he has good accuracy with the deep ball. How would it look if you have a five-star receiver? I don't know. They don't have that. But did you learn that today? Did you see watching that game that all the the things Justin is going to have to improve in that are undeniable, but the pocket presence, making sure that you know what an NFL window is. But did you just learn today, or have you known, that he is QB one, that at least going into next off season, this is the guy. Yeah. There's no question that, that they're committed to him. He's the guy. Uh, I mean, I, there were some, I was trying to take some positives out of the game. Lake Zurich's on Jack Sanborn. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> In the absence of, of all the defensive players that were traded or whatever. Or in uh, the spot f- next season. Yeah, 15 tackles, 10 solos. That's pretty good. But they gave up 31 points. <laughs> So that's a, that's a, that's the highlight of the defense. I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> you got Packers, Bach, Eagles, Bills. Oh. Good luck. <laughs> it's a tough schedule, and I guess that brings us to the final point on the field, right? Because I think we're going to talk more about what we could what we could think about this team moving forward, right? If Fields isn't playing, but what are you what are the bears going to do with justin fields my opinion is this this is my opinion and kind of my philosophy of the situation 
players play. Injuries, pain management, being hurt, it's all scales, right? If you're injured, you don't play, period. If you're injured, you don't play. If you're hurting and it's a pain management thing, all different levels of scenario, right? There's a reason why they have the chart in the doctor's office. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm willing, we, we have to be willing to be, uh, 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 you know, uh, adjustable. We have to be willing to accommodate some of these things. But if Fields is able to play against Green Bay, he has to play. Because the minute he stops playing, just like today, development stops. It halts. We can make any opinion we want of this game, but everything has halted for next season. And now we have to see what the Bears are going to do. I would play him if he's ready to play. If he's not, if there's even an inkling that he can hurt himself even more for the future, sorry, he's going to want to play. Your responsibility, as if you were a parent, a CEO, a manager, whatever, you got to make sure that he's ready to go. So that's the first thing. Marvelous, what do you think? Does Fields play? And if he's able to, should he? I don't know what the different degrees of separated shoulder are, not being a medical professional, but separated is separated. And I, I, I don't, you know, if you have a mild separation, it's still separated. So that would mean that he'd be subject to it being reseparated, in my opinion. So uh, particularly against these three teams, all of whom might be in the playoffs, for sure, two of the three will be for sure. I, I don't know if it's so wise to play him. I'd, I'd maybe play him against the, uh, Detroit and Minnesota. Uh, you know, after Christmas would be my opinion. But uh, uh, well, again, I'm not a medical professional. If he's at all subject to making it worse, there's no point at three and nine. <laughs> you know, and that's it, right? It's 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 risk aversion, right? It's risk management. You play football. Everybody's going to get hurt, especially the way he does. Like, let's admit, you mentioned it plenty of times. You know, you, you've you watched enough football to know, yeah, this guy specifically is going to get hurt. Just like Alex Caruso for the Bears, for the Bulls, right? The style of basketball he plays, always ending up on the court, always on the floor diving. You're going to get hurt. Same thing yeah. with Fields. He's just going to get hurt. He's a big dude. He controls right. a lot of the collisions, but he's going mm-hmm. to get hurt. Yeah. Well, here it is. Did my, I did my medical Google. <laughs> shoulder separations can be caused by direct falls into the shoulder and sports injuries. Most people recover within two to 12 weeks without surgery. So I guess there are different degrees. <laughs> yeah. And like we've seen that he's somebody who already had uh, 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 heavy legs. He's somebody who's been hit a lot. He was going into the season a little banged up already, but obviously the, the kid is a stud. So he was able to play through all this. I think just take your time every literally day by day. Every game is going to be different. Just see how you're feeling going into it. That's the most important thing. Look at Chase Claypool can still develop out there learning the playbook, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can still see guys out there, the offensive line, whether it's Seven Jenkins, whether it's Borum who got hurt, it, whoever you may think, these guys can get out there and develop themselves. But the future of your franchise is the quarterback. And the quarterback's development is the most important thing in a lot of important things. But it's the most mm-hmm. important thing, so you have to be careful how you're going to do this moving forward. If he's able to play, play him. But if you're worried just a little bit, whether it's you, your medical staff, or him, don't worry. What what difference does it make letting him go against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers when they're trying to make a playoff push? A team that's lost a bunch of games too, but do you want to send your guy out there to be a target on a division rival that's already a little surly? That's one thing to look forward that you have to keep an eye on. (laughs) But particularly if he's going to run 12 times and be sacked three or four and be and get four, four or five hits. I mean, you're, and, and you know, guess what? They're going to aim for the shoulder. Of course. Of <laughs> course. Why? They, they'd be dumb not to, right? Like, you, right. That's, you that's the X factor. You got to go do that. I think it's also when, right, the quality of the run. I, he's spectacular. Any given time, Fields has the ball, it's a chance to take it to the house. But if you're going to run the ball 15 times, right, design plays, I want it to be when you're trying to win a division yeah. or a yeah. divisional game or a playoff yeah. game or you, you, you like, okay, I see why you're going all out for that. I don't yeah. need to see that next week against the Packers. Yeah. You might as well run the wildcat. It's not, you know what I mean? At some point or, 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 or have him uh, get the ball handed to him by somebody else. And he goes out to the side. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Uh, they've talked about running. Russell Wilson was probably the most effective quarterback that had a lot of running that I can think of. And obviously uh, there are others that have been successful, but he's, he's, he's was the most successful that I can think of. Yeah. And yeah. I think for all of us, the only thing we would want to see one time this season, I don't know how important it is. 
I've always felt like the best stat line for Justin Fields is anywhere from 180 to 220 passing yards, 70, 60 to 70 rushing yards. That's a great game. That You're going to win a lot of games if your quarterback is doing that. I think there is such a thing, just like in, in diet, in, in, when you're doing a diet, there's empty calories. Justin mm-hmm. Herbert is a hell of a quarterback, a better quarterback, traditional quarterback than Justin. But he's mm-hmm. had plenty of 300, 400-yard passing games, mm-hmm. four touchdowns, and the Chargers don't do anything. There is not one traditional way to win it. But there are blueprints on to make it easier for yourself. And Fields being able to throw a bomb instead of taking a big hit five yards down the field will be a nice asset for him. But if you're not developing that, then you need to make sure you're doing everything to make sure he's healthy enough to do that next year. That another year of this offense with Getsy implemented through an entire pre uh, offseason and training camp next year. Go get him your weapons because here's the one. If nothing else, what, what did we learn today? Bears games are not fun again if Fields isn't playing. That's Bears games were the the top five stories in the NFL for the last four weeks since the Commanders game, and now you're going to be yeah this Bears game is going to be one to talk about, but it's going to be about the quarterback on the other side, about the other major metop- metropolis <laughs> city on the other side. So you mean, yeah, you mean, you mean Mike White? Oh, Mike White, <laughs> good old Mister White does it against. Now we'll see what happens when he goes against a. You know, middle of the pack defense opposed to this Bears banged up defense. But marvelous, I think we've given this game enough talk. We <laughs> we know we wanted to join the the awesome, amazing people here on the sports cubicle who join us for every Bears post game throughout this entire season. The Bears fall to the New York Jets 31 to 10, going to three and nine in the season. Most importantly, Justin Fields didn't play today. The game, the the turkey was cooked in this Thanksgiving weekend, as we already know this game was going into it. But you and I Obviously, we love, we're thankful to be able to talk right. to each other, talk to the amazing fans, talk about this game. But this was more of a formality, just to right. kind of reassure to Bears fans that, yes, mm-hmm. it can be this bad, and yes, it's this good when you have to do here. Absolutely. You know, for me, as soon as it gets to Thanksgiving, I've got football sort of in my rearview mirror. For example, <laughs> this week, I saw all or part of basketball games. <laughs> oh, see, there we go. Now you know the scout is in full range. Once, once you start seeing tournaments in Hawaii, right, in Arizona, right. you know right. it's time for Marvelous to get to and, work. And, the, and that Portland thing is nice, too, oh, you, you know, see. where they had uh, two brackets, Duke and Purdue, and, and the other one, Iowa State, uh, you know, is, uh, is it emerged as a pretty good team. So we'll talk about college hoops, too. Oh, we'll the road, again, yeah. so especially with we'll see how U of I does with this new class oh, yeah. and a number one team already going down. So plenty to talk about as we start getting forward to basketball. Absolutely. But it's an exciting time. Unfortunately, not as exciting as it's been the last <laughs> few weeks with Justin Fields. But nonetheless, we are so happy and thankful and honored that you were making us a part <laughs> of your Thanksgiving weekend. And I want to thank the marvelous one, Dan Marver, and his family for yep. allowing him all these time to join us throughout the, the entire sports calendar to talk here on the Sports Cubicle. Sure. My amazing family, Devin's family, Paul's family, uh, my yep. amazing co-host that is Devin Single, Paul Shivari, and the marvelous one, Dan Marver. Right. I'm thankful, too. Thankful for good family, good friends, and good health. Absolutely. Amen. Not necessarily Amen. in that order. <laughs> yeah. and we are thankful that at least yeah. for the last few weeks, we've been able to talk about Justin Fields and right. we're thankful that we'll be able to talk about him hopefully moving forward. But we want to know your thoughts. The Chicago bears fall to the New York jets in the Meadowlands, 31 to 10 now three and nine in the season. Will Justin Fields play anymore this season? Let us know. We're on Twitter at Sports Cubicle TV. Leave a comment down below on YouTube at youtube.com slash Mercado Airwaves Network. Wherever you get your favorite podcast at Mercado Airwaves Network. Don't have a stereotypical view of me just because I'm your mother. I know. How about we play the basketball? I'm no Harvey Globetrotter, but... We hope you all are having a wonderful, long holiday weekend. Whether you're celebrating Thanksgiving with family, friends, or by yourself, we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you've enjoyed the time off if you don't celebrate it from work and school. And we hope you've enjoyed all the sports that your heart can desire. We are here on the Sports Cubicle. It's the marvelous one, Dan Marver, Devin Single, Paul Shivari, and myself, Mike Mercado. And over the last few weeks... The Marvelous One and I specifically have been talking about what we've seen 
from the Chicago Bulls over the last few weeks, over the last few games, the frustration and the excitement from this team. Moments where they look like a playoff team that can be a danger to some of these title contenders. And then moments where they look like they're going to be in the lottery. And I, I can't put my, my finger on exactly what's going on. We've talked about it on social media over at Sports Cubicle TV on Twitter. And we've talked it with, about it with you guys here on the Sports Cubicle. There are moments where they look old. That Zach looks like his knee is shot. Then there's times where they look like world beaters. And I don't know whether it's the level of competition. Yet when you're going up and you're beating teams like Boston, when you're beating teams like Miami, you're competitive with Milwaukee. And then you're losing to the Thunder who have had a nice season, has seen a, a resurgence of SGA. So what is it about this team? And I, I just couldn't think about it. And I, and I started wondering, well, is Billy Donovan on the hot seat? Is it because that they keep hearing the same voice? And we know in the trope in sports is sometimes you just need a change of voice in the locker room. And sure enough, the one and only Joe Colley from the Chicago sometimes released an interesting article on November 26th that I highly suggest you guys check out. But I wanted to just read a little bit of it with you guys and kind of break it down and see if we can put this all together where maybe Billy stands in this entire thing. And the headline is latest loss for the Bulls. Exactly what Billy Donovan has been warning about. The coach has been saying since the start of the season that this year was going to be quote, even harder than last Friday's overtime loss in Oklahoma city was evidence of that. As Donovan is still trying to get his players to buy into the new look Offense Again, this is by Joe Colley over at the Chicago Sometimes. I highly suggest you guys check it out. Wonderful beat reporter for the Chicago Bulls. We continue on. None of this caught Billy Donovan off guard. Maybe that's why he sounded more sage than coach from day one of Bulls training camp. Mind you, a lot of us, how now this is me speaking, how many of us were worried about the Lonzo Ball situation, worried about Zach having this new injury and being on uh, time management. DeMar coming back a year older and, and still having to carry the brunt of this team, bringing in Andre Drummond and Groin Dragic, who have been awesome additions to this team. But what does that, the, the questions and being bounced in the first round and having such a bad second half last season when you were the number one team heading into the all-star break weekend. So a lot of questions, a lot of turmoil in this, uh, in this training camp. And this was Donovan's response as we continue. Quote, I knew this year was going to be a lot harder than last year. I just knew what was coming, and I'm not surprised. Donovan has said several times, including this week. Further evidence of that difficulty was again on display in overtime loss to Oklahoma City on Friday night. More defensive lows, more careless turnovers, and again, not always understanding how to take advantage of mismatches. Quote, we've just got to be able to stay the course and respond, Donovan said. Like I said, this wasn't going to be easy. Breaking the stallions rarely is. It's not an excuse for the 8-11 and 11 record. This is Joe Colley continuing. But what Donovan and his staff have been trying to do on the offensive end is change habits. Not only habits from last season, but for several players' habits they've had for years. Simply put, by Donovan, if the Bulls want to reach the second round of the playoffs, where executive vice president of basketball operations, Arturis Karnaschovas, has set the bar at, then they need to be less DeMar DeRozan-centric. And we'll finish off on this quote from Billy Donovan from this article of Joe Cowley's at the Tribune. We highly suggest you guys check it out. DeMar took as far as he can take us and really have to look at it. Okay, how can we make another step or jump? Donovan explained. Quote, if we get back to that, where it's all isolations all the time, it just gets too easy to defend. This is going to take some time offensively for us to play the way we need to play, which is a little bit different. So very interesting stuff from Billy Donovan. Again, this is Joe Cowley's com uh, column over at the Chicago Sun-Times. Latest loss for the Bulls, exactly what Billy Donovan has been warning. And if you're wondering, yeah, this Bulls team right now, currently, if you check up the standings, they're 12th in the Eastern Conference and uh, at the record of 9 and 11, uh, set themselves in a spot where it's going to be hard for them at 8 11, excuse me, to 
make that jump over Miami, over the Nets, over the Knicks, over the Raptors. But this is what we've been talking about. This was what we were talking about the entire offseason, heading into training camp, where we are the first few weeks into the season, heading now into the big calendar date of Christmas in the NBA. The Bulls are in a tough conference. They are a team that was bounced out early in the first round, didn't make many changes on this team because they couldn't financially, and now have to try to install this new offense and break bad habits on top of it while not playing great defense, while at times looking like they're playing in quicksand, while at times looking like they just didn't show up. There's been plenty of games, and I've never said this about this regime, about this group of players. There have been times where they have looked lazy going into games, like they don't care, and obviously they do, and obviously they're trying hard. But when we're talking on the spectrum, of NBA players, of teams that are making playoff runs, of teams that have players making $200 million. You can't have those moments. Not in this tight of a race, in this tight of a conference. You can't win an NBA championship. You can't win a playoff round in the first months of the NBA season. But you can get yourself out of a playoff spot, and you can lose a job. And that's right now where the Bulls are finding a fine line. I think if they keep competing the NBA will work itself out. Other teams will get hurt. Other teams will have injuries, nagging injuries, and everybody will kind of find their place. But there is no rescue coming for this Bulls team. There's no superhero moment coming for this Bulls team from somebody else on the outside unless they make this crazy trade. The Bulls are where they're at. This is the roster they're going to have moving forward for this season, for this campaign. And they can't afford to have lackluster games like they've had. But I trust the talent. Zach will get healthy, hopefully, more healthy. DeMar has defined time. And they have other pieces. It hurts that Patrick Williams isn't the superstar number fourth overall pick that the hype was before. But they have talent on this team, and it's got to work out together. And they're going to – it's going to come down to can this talent implement and – execute what Billy Donovan is trying to put into this new offense. But we want to know your thoughts heading into this holiday weekend, now heading into the full swing of the holidays, your thoughts of the Chicago Bulls right now at eight and 11 in 12th place of the Eastern conference. We're on Twitter at sports cubicle TV. Let us know your thoughts. Leave a comment down below on the video version of this segment over at youtube.com slash Mercado Airwaves Network. And of course, we're get, wherever you get your favorite podcast at Mercado Airwaves Network. For the marvelous one, Dan Marber, for Devin Tingle, for Paul Shavari, I'm Mike Mercado. Continental Soccer Association is coming to Springfield. It's all here. Fast kicking, low scoring, and ties. <laughs> you bet. Hey, Dad, how come you've never taken us to see a soccer game? I don't know. You'll see all your favorite soccer stars, like Ariaga, Ariaga 2, Bariaga, Aruplia, and Pizza. And that's right, that must mean it is time for the World Cup here on the Sports Cubicle with the one and only Devin Tingle, Paul Shavari, the marvelous one, Dan Marbert, throughout the entire show. I'm Mike Mercado, and there is a lot to get into, guys, as so much has happened in Qatar, 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 as we have seen controversy on the pitch and controversy outside of it, whether it's from players or media. So this is something I want to get into as we are now in the holiday season. We are now really in group play. It's going to get exciting when we get to the elimination rounds. But as we are celebrating Thanksgiving here in the United States, as the holiday season rolls around, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the matchups that we are seeing here. But more importantly, what is happening kind of globally in these games and kind of the ramifications of what we've seen over the last few years heading into these games. And, you know, I, I think for me personally, I can lose myself in sport. I can kind of... I can do the the separation of the artists and the arts, but it's been a very hard World Cup to do that. 
when there's so many exciting matchups. We had that Poland-Mexico matchup. We've seen the upset of Argentina. Paul is over here teaching us the X's and O's because there's investment in it. You know, the United States is actually in this tournament, had a crazy game against Wales. And behind all that is the controversy of where the game is located, FIFA, and the corruptness that is the most corrupt organization in sports. So there's no two better people I want to talk to with with than somebody who's a huge sports fan who loves all sports in Devon and somebody who loves this game in Paul. So, Paulie, I'll start with you. Obviously, the excitement of the World Cup, the game's delivering, but... Heading into it, knowing where destination was going to be, your thoughts heading into these World Cups? A lot of red flags. You know, we heard about the migrant workers, you know, the, the conditions that they worked in, um, you know, the just the amount of money that was probably given to buy votes to get this done, to make this happen. Um, you know, you could look at the silver lining, I guess, of at least the... Middle East gets to host soccer because there's clearly a lot of passion and money from that area that goes into soccer around the world. So, you know, they have every right as fans to to get this event. And it's been really neat to see, you know, how they're represented, um, you know, from the region. And it's neat to see so far like Saudi Arabia getting an upset in the tournament. Um, So I think it's important for like the Middle East and the soccer influence in that region But at the same time, then you hear about, um, okay, so they're loosening some of the restrictions and laws in their country, you know, including like the way women can dress or, you know, alcohol in public. And it's weird that at the last minute they pull the deal that they've had in place with Budweiser for so long to serve alcohol in stadiums. And then they just yank that right out. And And I think... You know, I'm sure there's some sort of lawsuit or penalty or payout that's going to happen as a result of, you know, I'm sure Qatar is well aware of, you know, what the punishment financially would be for that. But it's it's sort of that of, well, what else are we going to hear about? You know, if, if they can get away with that, what other things are they going to change their mind about in the last minute? And then you see like some of the living conditions there, but that's the, you know, but, but I mean, that's kind of the thing is that, you know, how, what are you going to do in a region like that where it's, you know, it's just very... Uh, you know, you, you, there's no no reason to build a lot of things that are going to be permanent there, right? Mm-hmm. There's only so many people that are going to be there, and I don't think they're looking to have, you know, tens to you know tens of millions more people move in, you know, after this event and make it a world class city. There's only so many people that can live there, so that's why there's a lot of like shipping containers. Like there's like a stadium made out of shipping co- containers. There's the shipping container dwellings, you know, that you can rent for like. $200 a night that's like got like a mini fridge and a toilet in it you know like I you know it's it's weird but it's it's interesting to see how you know Qatar which is like the size of Indiana um, you know respond and build all these stadiums and and host this world-class event and in the early goings the first week here it's been great it's it's been awesome and uh, you know fun tournament to watch um, and, and I think given the time of year where we are at with soccer in this era and especially like this close to the pandemic how that messed up everyone's rhythms i think we're going to see a really interesting outcome that's atypical of usual europe you know uh world cups with europe and south america completely dominating i think you know it's going to be interesting to see moving forward these after we see what happens with mexico canada and the united states who's able to afford bids to get the World Cup. We've seen that in the IOC, they're begging countries to buy the Olympics, to host the Olympics. That's not the case for the World Cup. They're having people bid crazy. They're just, here's an envelope. Whoever has the highest bidder, we're going to do another round and make sure that's an even higher bid than your last one. And that's where they're at. But before we get back to Paulie, because there's so much that, from his perspective, we could break down. I, I want to get the, the general American sports fan view of it. And Devin, you know, you're the kind of uh, cat that goes to Philly to watch a game, whether it's the Eagles or, or the Phillies themselves. You'll go, to, you'll go to Hawaii to watch the Rainbows, the Fighting Warriors. You know, you, you're down for the, for the cause. But this this time of year every four years a little excitement obviously because it's just a fervor of a such a huge sport and everybody getting excited about their ethnicity and their nationality and their heritage but heading into it because it was Qatar and what we know and you working at WCPT being so invested in basic human rights you know how your thoughts of the World Cup before we got into it and now that the games are actually being played 
I mean, before kind of just iffy, you know, I was happy for Paulie to let him out of his little cage. I got your keys right here in my pocket. If you can hear that jingle, don't get too crazy yet here. I mean, definitely kind of going into it with everything kind of going on with Qatar. I mean, it's definitely kind of like a sketchy subject here. But, you know, yeah, look at things like the All-Star Game. They moved that for voter rights to another state that had really bad voting rights. It's like we really... Po politics and sports go hand in hand. As you've said before, Mercado, you mess people's sports, you're going to have a problem here. And the most general Americans, probably not so much like me, would be more mad. It's like, oh, we're, you know, can't have the World Cup here. And then they do the whole, I'm boycott and I'm never watching it again. And it's like, okay, name five soccer players that aren't Ariaga 2, 3, 4, and 5. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, definitely just, it's kind of nice seeing this because this reminds me of like that year Pokemon Go came out. I'm like, everyone is like reuniting again, putting all our differences aside just to enjoy the game of soccer, enjoy the World Cup. As I was telling Paul, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm not a big soccer fan, but I'll go out to a bar with some friends, you know, and, Watch it get you know games during the World Cup. I did that a few years ago, and it's just definitely some kind of just an enjoyable time. Like even if you really don't fully know what's going on here, I mean, nowhere near as close as Paul, nowhere near as close as you. I am, as you said, the general casual sports American fan, I guess, so it's, to speak. It's not a hard sport to get into, though. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just as simple as who scores. You nope. know, like exactly. it's, it's just that's why a lot of people say it's boring. It's because all the time that's not done scoring, but it makes the goal more exciting when when you see it happen. Well, there's something too about international tournaments especially when it deals with countries where it is like the olympics or it is uh like the world cup where it's easy to identify who you can root for it's easy to find multiple people to root for multiple teams multiple storylines and the world cup has that magistry of if your grandmother is from poland and your grandfather is from mexico and your great aunt is from the netherlands you can root for all of them and you have multiple interests. And we have to also keep it 100 that it's it's a gambling world now. People are able to gamble all these games. I was able to make a three-team parlay and, you know, fall flat in my face after Japan made sure that that happened. But it's it's one of those things where there's so much more vested interest. And I think it's interesting to see the, the, the growth of it and who can actually host these things moving forward because there's something magical about America, the United States in particular, where it is a melting pot. So imagine that Poland-Mexico game at Soldier Field. Imagine almost anywhere in this country, but Except it's like, is that idea. it won't be at Soldier Field. Of course not, but like, it's that idea compared to Qatar where it's such a different type of destination point. Mm -hmm. And even Russia found a way to come out looking better the way they hosted their uh, World Cup compared to this. But it, it, it all just, it, it's interesting how as we go on, and it's so much more expensive to to host these things, who can do it? And we've seen it with like the, the them being told, I forgot what team it was, was it Germany or that they couldn't wear their Oh, there's been a pro, few, yeah, with the, the armbands. The armbands yeah. for, yeah. for pro-love, you know, mm -hmm. and pro, the pro-LGBTQ plus community. And, you know, I, I think that's that in itself, there's so much intrigue that's going to go on moving forward after United States, Canada, and Mexico. But, Paul, what else has really piqued your interest? Not necessarily just, of course, you know, you're going to be breaking down the games and how the standings are working out as we move forward on this, but anything else has been catching your your attention, your your fervor as the, the first few games of group play have started? Uh, before I get to that, I wanted to uh, talk about 2030. You were talking about the, you know, the next bid is United States, Mexico, Canada, which is neat, the, the joint bid, they're yeah. allowing that. And, of course, 94 was a success with... United States, Mexico's hosted it twice, uh, 86, you know, that was a successful tournament. Now Canada is more of a, a larger presence in the soccer yeah. world. Uh, 2030, though, they haven't named it yet, but the only bids that are kind of confirmed right now, uh, Morocco okay. wants to do a solo bid, but then a joint one in South America of Uruguay, Argentina, Paraguay, and Chile. That'd be cool. Which could be cool. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Europe has Spain, Portugal, and Ukraine. I don't know how that works out. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then um, there's an inter-confederation one that has Egypt, Greece, and Saudi Arabia. That one's kind of interesting, too. Yeah. This so, all sounds like... And, uh, and there's been interest from, you know, South Korea... Um, with it in association with either North Korea, Japan, or China, yeah, or all three, we'll, we'll that could be the, interesting. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll um, Australia and Indonesia, China, Cameroon, Tunisia, Algeria, Colombia, Ecuador, Peru. Some of those joint, some of those not. But we'll we'll see. I mean, we're we're far away from 2030 and them naming it, but it just gives you an idea of, like you were saying, people are kind of. Um, it, it's almost like the Olympics, where I think they're kind of begging for it, and one country alone can't really do it except for maybe the United States or England. But there's a problem with England, too, with some of the pitches that they have there aren't FIFA standards. So that's that's kind of why why you see 
new stadiums get built is because they need like the wider, you know, longer pitch. So, so one of the things that I've heard about the economics of the difference between the IOC and the Olympics coming into town compared to FIFA is especially if you're already considered quote unquote a world class city, like a top tier city is chances are you already have a cathedral that can hold 80,000 people. Mm-hmm. Los Angeles, Chicago, Kansas City, Houston. Like you just name all the cities, right? Like that have an NFL team. You have Aztec Stadium in Mexico. Toronto has uh, where the Blue Jays play. Like yeah, there's Rogers pl- Center, yeah, yeah, there's plenty. Of, and that's where I think a lot of this interest comes. Where you're willing to pay more money. This is the the people who are who are spending it for the countries. We're willing to spend more money because the infrastructure is already built for us mm-hmm. when it comes to soccer. Compared to the Olympics, where we have to build a bobsled or we have to build yeah. this this thing. Where, or, it, or Qatar, where they have to build all these pop up stadiums. Exactly. There's no way that they need 12 world class stadiums in that tiny little country. So this is uh, I think a conversation we keep coming back to as the Olympics keep going and as we can actually start seeing eliminations and. The standings really starting to to come together. I know as of this recording, Paul's going to have a, a very interesting opinion and thoughts on England, United States, how the 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 Spanish team looks, what it means for Argentina. It's going to be something I'm really uh, uh, proud of Paul and seeing him shine for the first time when it comes to World Cup on the sports cubicle. I think that's going to be really cool. But Devin, I want to give you your last chance of of this beginning stages of the World Cup. How are you feeling heading into the Thanksgiving weekend? I know we're full tilt in the NFL. We have baseball hot stuff coming right around the corner, but this is big time. There's some interesting games. United States may not win the whole thing, but they're in it and they could have really used, I know Paul will talk about this, they really could have used those two points and not the split with Wales after that loss that we saw earlier, but uh, your thoughts in general for for heading into Thanksgiving weekend of the World Cup? I mean, for starts, I think the fact that we have a sports cubicle pool on the World Cup just makes it a lot more fun like yes. win some money off you guys here. I mean, we'll put that on Twitter at Sports Cubicle TV on the, uh, the way it all shakes down. Isn't okay? this recording Mike's yeah. winning, but it could change. Thank you, Japan. Yeah, We all know Paul's going to blow in the end somehow. <laughs> but just definitely, it's going to be nice, you know, with Thanksgiving coming up, or I should say, you know, the, the holidays, you know, we're going to have a lot of football, good football games coming up, and I guess good football games coming up. Is that the way we're pronouncing it here? Sure. Mercado, you probably know better football. than I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so definitely, it's just going to be, it's really cool with the way of sports right now. we got so much going on. we got the World Cup, we got uh, football, hockey, basketball. I mean, if you can't find a thing to watch on TV, I don't know what to tell you at this point here. Paulie, any final thoughts heading into Thanksgiving weekend? You'll be breaking it down, but anything to get the people hype uh, heading into such a fun weekend? Yeah, keeping an eye on the penalties. It's been really ticky-tacky, but at the same time, I love the offside. The VAR review will show you why, you know, like maybe the elbow was leaning over. So, I mean, I I think you're getting a better explanation of the uh, penalties and why the penalties are happening. And, of course, it's a World Cup, so it should be kind of uh, officiated to the umpteenth degree. But I'm keeping an eye on that because I think it's been... Kind of ticky-tacky, but I think at the same time, the football gods have stepped in and uh, righted some of the wrongs, like that save Mexico had against Poland. I'm thankful that I've been able to do this show with you guys, to call you guys buddies. It's been a great uh, 2022 for the show, for all of us, and uh, I hope this is a great World Cup. Um, I hope everybody... For I don't know if I speak for the three of us. I, I'm going to say I do. Hope everybody for thank you supporting us. That's what we're thankful for. And thank you for you guys. And uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Sports Cubicle TV. Polly, I, and Devin will be putting up our our picks, our predictions, and we'll be breaking down the World Cup. Well, if you're anything like me, you have been enjoying the fact that the World Cup has rolled around despite some of the controversies surrounding the event. It's been a great tournament so far as far as football goes, or soccer, as we call it here in the United States. The United States has been impressive as well, despite the fact they have not won a game. They have not lost a game. They drew with Wales in a game that they should have won on Tuesday. I'm sorry, Monday. And then on on Friday, they drew a scoreless draw with England in what was an exciting game and what was reported to be the most watched soccer game in United States history, the country uh, beating the 1994 World Cup final, uh, which had uh, you know the most television views before this match on Friday. So soccer is getting more and more popular in the United States. The and if you're a casual supporter of the World Cup or soccer or just want to see when it starts getting more competitive, this week we'll start seeing uh, the the last round of group play, and then on Saturday you'll start seeing uh, the round of 16 matches. So let's start with the United States. They play their last group play match on Tuesday. That's going to be 1 o'clock Chicago time. 
They're going to play Iran. And now it's a must-win scenario for the United States. They could win the entire group with a win and an England loss, uh, but they could also do it with a win, an England draw, and uh, I think four or more goals or something like that on the uh, goal differential. But regardless, the only path to the round of 16 for the United States is going to be a victory over Iran in order to do it. Now, if they do end up winning that match, they're more than likely going to be the second place team in Group B behind England, which means they would play the first place team from Group A. As it stands right now, it's uh, Netherlands leading that group, and Netherlands will probably beat Qatar uh, in the earlier games at, at 9 in the morning on, on Tuesday. The neat part about this is starting on Tuesday, you're going to see two games on at the same time um, just so that there's no meddling in you know how the group plays out. So all four teams will be in action, and then based on the results of those games being played, then they'll know who's going to make it to the round of 16. The first place team and the second place team from each four team group gets to make it to the round of 16 in which after that uh, there won't be ties anymore. There would be extra time or penalty kicks to determine a winner. So the United States plays on Tuesday with their group, Group B. They, the United States has Iran. Meanwhile, England versus Wales is the other game. That game doesn't have too much effect on what would happen to the United States and Iran. All we need to cheer on for as Americans, uh, as fans of the United States men's team is uh, for the United States to advance with a victory over Iran. Iran lost 6-2 to England last week. They beat Wales 2-0 and an early one on Friday that was really exciting. Just all, all around the the, uh, the storylines of the week, the storylines of the Cup and just some of the games and what we've seen so far, uh, I think the uh, one of the most watched games of the tournament so far was Poland versus Mexico. Now, this is before I, I've heard... Anything regarding the numbers from today in which we saw Spain play Germany in a one-to-one tie, which was exciting. Um, and you know, yesterday, uh, Argentina and Mexico, I'm sorry, Mex- not Mexico, Poland, Argentina-Mexico on Saturday was the, uh, the most popular game of the tournament in terms of most views around the world. Uh, Lionel Messi gets a, a goal in that game, gives Argentina the victory. It uh, was a big recovery off of what was probably the biggest surprise of the tournament, and that was Argentina losing their first match of the tournament to Saudi Arabia 2-1, to which was also an exciting match and one of the uh, rare time to see Saudi Arabia pull off such, a, such an upset victory. Uh, all in all, though, I think we've seen about what we've expected of this tournament. Spain came out hot against Costa Rica, struggled against Germany, but has a good shot to make it to the round of 16 if they can just draw or beat Japan. Meanwhile, uh, you know, you have France just looking great in their two matches. Um, You know, Group C with Poland, Argentina, Saudi Arabia and Mexico has been exciting in its own right. And it's crazy to think that Mexico is the last place team in that group because they've they've been fairly good so far. They had a strong match against Argentina despite the loss and then had a, uh, a scoreless draw against Poland in which their goalkeeper made an amazing save on a penalty kick to uh, keep that game scoreless. Um, you know, Brazil, we haven't seen their second game yet, but they looked really good on Thanksgiving in their game against Serbia with that beautiful scissor kick by Richarlison has probably been the goal of the tournament so far. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been exciting. You know, I'm looking forward to, uh, Portugal and Uruguay should be for as far as upcoming fixtures that we're going to see this week or matches. Um, you know, that that's going to be a really good one. Just kind of taking you through the week, what we're going to see. So, um, here on Sunday with the four games that wrapped up, uh, you know, Spain tying Germany one to one, Croatia being beating Canada four to one, Costa Rica beating Japan one nil, and Morocco getting the upset over Belgium two nil. Uh, that wraps up uh, the second matches for groups E and F. So uh, Monday will be the end of the second round of of match play or group play, uh, and that's groups G and H that are that are in. So Cameroon Serbia. South Korea, Ghana, Brazil, Switzerland, Portugal, Uruguay, which is going to be tomorrow. That's going to be, I think, the game that you're going to want to see, at least for, for Monday's set of games. Tuesday is going to start that the, the third round of group play uh, for groups A and B. Those games are simultaneous. So 9 a.m. Chicago time, you'll have Ecuador, Senegal, and then Netherlands, Qatar. 1 o'clock Chicago time uh, in the afternoon, you'll have Iran, USA, Wales, England. And then same format on Wednesday, the 9 o'clock games, Tunisia and France, Australia, Denmark for Group D. And then the 1 o'clock games are Group C with Poland, Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico. 
I think out of that day, you've got to look to probably Australia, Denmark, or Poland, Argentina for the game to watch that day. I'd go with Poland, Argentina, because Robert Lewandowski versus Lionel Messi is going to be a great matchup, especially with a, a World Cup on the line. Uh, you got uh, Lewandowski now plays for Barcelona, which is the team that Messi played the majority of his career with. Now he's on uh, uh, Paris uh, Saint-Germain. Uh, Thursday's games has Croatia and Belgium should be a good one. At this point, it is a must win for Belgium after uh, the results of, of today's match, putting them in third place. Uh, you know, you have Canada, Morocco in the other one. Um, both those games will be exciting, but it's it's pretty much what's Belgium going to do that day, um, needing that victory over Croatia to advance. Uh, Spain has Japan in the later game, Costa Rica and Germany at the same time. Friday is going to be the end of that that third round of group play and the end of group play altogether. Groups H and G going uh, South Korea and Portugal and Ghana, Uruguay in the early games. And then Group G has Serbia, Switzerland and Cameroon, Brazil in that. So Saturday at 9 o'clock, we'll start the round of 16 play. If the United States beats Iran, more than likely that would be the match that they'd be playing in against Netherlands. Um, although I'm sure the, the, the schedule is subject to change. Uh, it would be the Group B runner-up going up going up against the Group A winners. That's the more than likely scenario. If not, you know you're looking at um, Ecuador or Senegal could be the next opponent for the United States. If uh, if I'm not getting too far ahead of myself, but yeah, a double slate of games on Saturday in the round of 16, nine o'clock, one o'clock. Sunday the same thing. Monday the same thing. Tuesday the same thing. And then on Wednesday, December seventh, we'll finally have our first day off of soccer from the tournament. Chance for all of us to catch a breather. Two days off, and then the quarterfinals start on that Friday and Saturday. But we'll talk about all of that on next week's Sports Cubicle, where I'll break down the World Cup even more for you. But yes, an exciting one so far. Tell me what you think about it. Follow us on Twitter at Sports Cubicle TV. For Devin Tingle, Mike Mercado, and Dan Marver, I'm Paul Shavari. This has been the Sports Cubicle. We want to thank you for listening. Follow us uh, on Twitter. You can also find our shows on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash WCPT820 for anything you may have missed. Even past episodes, you can download them. Uh, We are on WCPT820 where facts matter. Santita starts your week tomorrow, 6 a.m. Free Brittany Griner. So long, everybody. Free Brittany Griner.